You know, um, I was thinking about how I describe reading Ready Player One, and I felt like it should be the tagline for the movie, or like how do you how do you describe well, reading well, Ready Player well, One? Well, I got to tell you from the idea of uh, the movie that you said. You know, the uh, the movie based on the book that you said, you know, originally I didn't really want to read it, but it was actually really good. Because <laughs> I feel like that's how I kind of approached it. And I think a lot of people approached it. Um, the man that sat next to, well, the man that sat next to the man who sat next to me in the movie, uh, when he realized I read it, he's like, oh, I'm just surprised. Like, not a lot of girls, like, or like gamers i'm like well i'm not a gamer it's still a decent book <laughs> you're like but the majority of readers are women so just shut up i mean i've read books about murders it doesn't mean i'm necessarily into murder but i mean i mean i'm not on the record you you you're not not into i mean murder. it's not something i'm like gonna be like no but i'm also like no yeah it's 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 just it's like moonlight it's like i understand but who has the time (laughs) sorry so so dan what did you do today i I feel like i'm just apologizing to you all day every day for just apparently my existence you really you really don't have to be sorry i'm a little canadian most of the time i'm a little bit canadian Just, just a skosh, I, just a skosh connect. Yeah, I mean, I, I lived in Montana and then Washington, border states. I was gonna say you've just been flirting with the border your whole. I mean, life. now I'm still flirting with the border. It's just a different one. Right. I took off my well, my like cool little hat with fur line and put on a really racist sombrero. Are there non-racist sombreros? Sombreros that are worn by people native to Mexico only to prevent heat stroke. That is the non-racist sombrero according to a white That's the practical sombrero. (laughs) Yeah. To answer your question, I went and saw a little little ditty by our buddy Stevie, Stevie Spielsberg. Went and saw that Ready Player One. Yeah, you know. Oh, Steven. And I get now why the post kind of felt like it was a phone-in, because he was very focused on this. He was busy. He, he was busy. He, he was a busy guy. Did you ever see AI? I need to talk to someone who's seen AI, artificial intelligence. I can't say that. Okay. Either. Well, so as the person who saw AI, artificial intelligence, <laughs> that movie scared me for many reasons. Um I'm not for like any like practical reason. It was just like there was so much going on and it was creepy and depressing and weird and Haley Joel Osment never blinked. And he hasn't blinked to this I day. I know. I mean, <laughs> have you watched Future Man? No blinking. Zero blinking. It's weird. Um method. But that movie I mean, there's a plot somewhere in this in that film. But I, there were a few scenes towards the beginning of Ready Player One where I was like, this is what he was trying to do. He just didn't have a plot. So it was exciting for me because I felt vindicated for being that one person who saw AI artificial intelligence. And 
I was like, okay, this was, it was a stepping stone to get to this film. I also really enjoyed that my text this morning led you to assume that this movie was not good. <laughs> yeah. I I was a little concerned. I was like, oh, great. This is going to be a clunker. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I think it's sort of tailor-made for people like us, and I don't know how big a market that is because there were references that I didn't get in this and I felt like I got a lot but there was um whew, uh there was a lot in this it was jam-packed it had more easter eggs than easter easter bunny yeah with easter was just... which happens to be soon or has just happened mm-hmm. depending on when we post this I want to post it tonight, but I'm so tired. Post it tomorrow. Easter, which happens to be tomorrow. Right? And April Fool's Day, which is kind of the best thing ever, because don't you wonder if maybe the first Easter was just actually an elaborate April Fool's prank? You thought I was dead. That was hilarious. You should have seen your face. God, you guys look like such idiots. And when the rock moved, Jesus. <laughs> you scamp. <laughs> um, here, guys, have some of my blood. It's wine now. Let's get drunk. Uh, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, the, I guess, so you haven't read the book. I have. And mm-hmm. I didn't just read it. I read it about a year ago. So it's, parts of it are a little rusty, but a lot of it's still there. But it's interesting because the whole book is very fan servicey. Like it's very much about like people who loved the 80s and 90s. Like it's all about that. And it's great. And so I was a little concerned that this would be fan servicey to the people who liked the book. But it wasn't actually. It was very it was fan servicey. The the energy and the the thought into that went into the book. Um that was also resonating in the movie. It didn't feel like, oh, they're placating me because I read the book. They he used different different plot points to really keep with that idea. And my main example is you feel like a similar feeling during the tournament, like the the different tournaments to get each key. At least the first two. I'm and the third is like sort of similar, but the first two mm-hmm. Those don't happen. <laughs> like it's oh. not a race. It's 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 it, it, like there's no. And I mean, I get why they did it. It's to be cinematic. It's to introduce characters. Um, they added a lot to to H's character, which I liked. The whole element of H being a fixer was not in the um, in the in the book. And I liked that. I liked that they added a lot of layers to certain characters, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, so really I thought it was cool because they're, they were able to get this idea of the stress to find this key and everything without, it's, it's a very internal book and without doing that. And a lot of it is about him becoming a very smart, uh, oh God, I'm trying to think, an expert regarding this, this genre and all the archives and everything. Like he, 
he's like an ultimate gunter, which they don't really, they show a few moments of him being that way, but he's really, he's not unparalleled, but he's, he's in the top. He's, he's figured a lot of this out. He's a, he's really into Halliday. Mm. He's got a, he's got a hard on for Halliday. Yeah. Uh, the more they revealed about Halliday, the more I was like, I mean, the Oasis is cool, but he's kind of, uh, not really somebody whose life is worth. I mean, he's he's a mysterious <laughs> recluse and somewhat eccentric. Like, I mean, that's that's who he is. Like most really intelligent and successful people, he's just exacerbated. Right. I was like, well, so yeah. this is where he went on that boat from eh, from Dunkirk. <laughs> uh, oh, Mark Rylance. Well, I, You're he really kind of disappeared into that character, and so I had a moment where I'm like, where have I seen him? And then uh, the person who, the man who was next to me, uh, said, "Bridge of Spies." Uh, he got an Oscar fairly recently. I'm like, oh, Dunkirk. He was on that boat, <laughs> which. That's where it took well, it, to computer programming um, school. Even though he was very old and just witnessed the death of his son's friend. Um, that's not a Ready Player One spoiler. That's a Dunkirk spoiler. <laughs> We've got layers here. So let's let's say right now we're gonna we're gonna spoil some shit. We're gonna talk. Spoil the. We're shit gonna out. talk about some stuff. If you don't want things spoiled. Just come back and give us a listen later. Uh, I would say go see it if you're a fan of... Most things in the 80s or 90s. <laughs> I mean, but they do cast a pretty wide net. There's stuff... There's references to things that are... The Iron Giant's in it, guys. And it's awesome. That's I did great. love the Iron Giant. Not my favorite giant robot in it, but... If you want to hear more, you know, keep keep, 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 listening. keep listening. Just literally, just well, don't turn us yeah. off, and you'll hear yeah, more so. about it. That was our rambly spoiler warning. So I liked it. I, still I here. Mean, y- still you got here? us. You got us to a point that was somewhat intriguing, and then ultimately left us at the exact same place we would have been had it been shorter. I liked it. Keep it in. So. One thing before we talk about our characters that we liked, the characters we disliked or were confused about or what have you, um, is what I did not think about reading the book and I realized really soon in this movie is you're casting people really for their voice acting in a, in a majority of this film, which I did not think of. And I'm like, you know, Cyclops, I'm pretty ex- excited about you. Like you're, you're, you're a star on the rise. And so let's see what you have to do. And really he has quite the voice and, but that, uh, but I wasn't like, oh yeah, this actor. But then I realized like, this is a good choice to have these actors that are maybe a little lesser known. I mean, we're going to name some names and you're probably going to be like, wait, wh- who? who who is this person you're talking about? I I mean, we don't have like a an A-list person. I mean, you have some I mean, you have Simon Pegg for a moment. Um Yep. But he's he's he did a solid 2 days of filming on He did. This. More on that later. Um, but I, I mean, like I, I, so you've got Simon Pegg, but like Ben Mendelsohn even is not a person that people immediately will get the picture in their head. So you've got, you're really 
you're putting a lot into relatively young actors' laps and fairly, uh, in, not inexperienced, but they're, you know, they're, they've got like... Fresh commodities, Yeah, maybe? fresh commodities. I appreciate that. Just edit out when you just said that and just pretend like that's just a word phrase that I came up with. Now... It's your word phrase. It's yeah. my word phrase, not yours, mine. <laughs> I'm older. Uh, no, so, so, but you've got, you're putting a lot onto these shoulders and specifically onto their voice acting, which I did not think about. And I really like that. I was really afraid when I saw the first trailer, though, because I was super confused how they were going to make all the things that they were putting in because it's just like Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg. Hey, do you like Freddy Krueger? He's in here and Chucky's in here and whatever. And here's the Iron Chain. And I'm like, how are they going to make this work? And they made it work. So kudos. You confused the shit out of me, but you made it work. Let's talk about characters. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, why don't we break down two that we liked? And I know you've got notes on, on one character, and I definitely have some serious thoughts on another. All right. So I'm getting up the uh, Ready Player One IMDb. So really, let's talk about that Ready Player One, the, the, the savior, honestly. The titular player. Let's, uh, 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 his screen name is Parsival because he's read a book. And his name, because his dad wanted his kid to sound like a superhero, is Wade Watts. Let's talk about Ty Sheridan, Dan. Oh, Ty. Ty, 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 Ty. Are you tired? Um, a bit. I'm a bit Ty, Ty. I, uh, well, the fact that he was wearing the visor, I was like, nah, X-Men. Ah. Yeah, it is pretty funny if any, <laughs> for like the five people who saw Apocalypse. Yeah, right. For for us, who the five people who saw the end of Apocalypse, who didn't walk out, um, he he has a little bit of Luke Skywalker's disease, which is you know the the burden of being the kid going through the hero's journey is you're probably going to be a little whiny, you're probably going to be a little optimistic, you're probably going to you know you have to start from a certain place to get to another place. Um, my biggest complaint with him was that he fell in love just a little too hard, a little too fast, but he's a teenage kid, and that's what they do. So I couldn't really hold it against I was about him. to say, you being... judging someone for, like, falling hard <laughs> real quick. But when I do it, there's poetry involved, <laughs> not just blurting out of feelings, at least not sober. However... um. To your point about voice acting, he really carried his avatar. He really carried Percival very well. Um, most of the live action stuff, which is, what would you say, 25% of the movie? Yeah, I, I mean, if we're talking uh, specifically for his character, I would honestly say less. but Because like, I think a majority of it really was in the headquarters with Nolan Sorrento. Like he's really, yeah. his live action is pretty limited. Yeah. So As it should be. for somebody who isn't on screen a whole lot, like his his on screen time is, it's good. It's serviceable. It's it's he's believable to his circumstances. Um, I think he can be a little, you know, a little teenagery, a little hard and fast with uh, his idealism. I didn't like that he'd never mourned his his dead aunt. Really, like it was just. I I understand that you know it was a rough situation, but. 
literally the only family you have left in the world is blown away and it's kind of like moving on <laughs> i didn't i just I, that's the only moment i really wanted for him but other than that his character in the game was great the animation in this is stunning this gave me faith that we can do animation geared towards adults in the west because the expressiveness behind his voice work and the conviction and the subtlety therein really sold that character. Like when he's giving his rousing speech at the end, when they cut back to him in the real world, it completely takes the winds out of the sails. It's a bunch of kids standing in a van and he's like, he gestures and it looks so silly. But in the context of the world, it was up there with like, your Avatar The Last Airbender Legend of Korra style animation where you really buy those characters despite the fact that they're cartoons. Um, and especially with the exaggerated eyes and the hair and the sort of anime influence on his character, it really felt like a great rousing speech from an anime, which for me is a good thing. Um, but in like a less... Uh, niche way i'll say like his his voice work was was good it was really solid stand-up stuff um i think he carried the story well i wish that they'd made up their mind as to how much voiceover they wanted to give him like to just do the little bit at the beginning was fine but then when the voiceover motif was dropped where he just explains things i I don't know. It that bothered me on a structural level, but that's not his fault. He's a good he was a he was an enjoyable character. I really liked watching him race. I liked watching him um dance. And uh you know, the Buckaroo Bonsai thing was perfectly obscure. Uh cheers to the three people who understood what that reference was. Um <laughs> I know what it is, still haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's the thing is the people are like, oh, when they see it. Um, everyone's like, finally, it gets its due. Kevin Smith got really excited somewhere. Oh, he shouldn't get excited. No. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Adair. Way to just bring this ship down. Hey, he's already lost 26 pounds. He's very, very excited about it. Yep. Um, I think you make some really, really good points. I think that it is a really lovely, he's, I mean, he does a lovely job in my opinion. It's funny because your notes make total sense to me, but having read the book, there's a few things that kind of made more sense to me in them that didn't bother me. So it's, this is what I was excited about is because certain things. Of my illiteracy. No, no. Um, no, <laughs> but it is interesting to me because like, I didn't even think about some of that stuff because I was like, oh yeah. Cause obviously he's been reading Artemis's blogs for years and has been in love with her for a really long time because he's been in love with her for a really long time. Which, and he, he spoke to that briefly, but it was like, oh, that's Artemis. It'd be like, it seemed like me pointing out 
Taylor Swift or something, but nobody else ever gave her that recognition at all. So I didn't, I'm like, yeah, no one was like, like, oh my God, she's so elusive and fascinating. No, she's so, she's, she's definitely like a celebrity in, in the book. Like she, she has a very funny and cutting blog about her adventures trying to find things. Um, and they do bond during the first, uh, the first test. But uh, the one thing that I will say before I m- move forward on this is that I I understood why they did it, but it kind of bothered me. And it's something later on I would say like I would I'm I get why they did it and I probably wouldn't change it because I think it worked. But I think the payoff would have been great. They don't meet until the last scene of the book, like in person. They never meet. Until the last scene. Interesting. Yeah. And so I kind of wish that they maybe had done that because it felt, it felt really good and it wasn't like there wasn't the like for sure this is going to happen or this isn't going to happen. It was just more like they met because they'd been, they went on like little dates and they had a very on again, off again, like friendship, camaraderie, relationship, whatever. Because it was just they were both going through things for different reasons, and um, they but they were very much apart for it. So that was the one thing that I kind of liked better in the book, but I understood the reasons because he kind of they needed someone on the inside to show what was going on, which I did like that that was happening. We didn't get much of that in the book. Gotcha. So yeah, so there's that. Um, but. I use that as a really beautiful segue to Artemis or Samantha, played Artemis. Uh, played by Rachel Cook. Is that her name? Gonna double check that. Feel free to edit this out. No, Olivia, Olivia. Cook. I was thinking because she played Rachel and me, Earl and the Dying Girl. So I have loved her. I have loved Olivia Cook since I saw me, Earl and the Dying Girl. I think she. I love her voice. So honestly, she was the person that I was like. Oh yeah, like I, I dig this. Her avatar, I was like, okay, you look sort of <laughs> like a porcupine. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I imagine, I imagined her to be a little bit more, a little less skin tight clothing, a little bit more like just kicking ass, getting things done. Um, not that she doesn't do that. Olivia Cook, I actually just saw Thoroughbreds, which she stars in, and she really was the saving grace of that movie. I thought that movie would... I, I, I have a lot of feelings about that movie. I'm not going to talk about it right now. But she, her character was just really fascinating. And so coming off of that into this, I love her. I love her so much. And she had a lot more to do in this movie, which I loved. Uh, I thought her being part of a resistance was a little bit... It felt it didn't feel terribly natural. She, as an uh, as a character, always seemed like an independent person, and so that was a little hard for me to get behind. She never was part of like a resistance. Uh, so she, I don't know. She, I kind of, I would have liked it a little bit more if they maybe played her almost like a Jin Urso, like a reluctant heroine, uh, Jin Urso from from Rogue One, not just because Ben Mendelsohn is the bad guy. Um, just realized that. And also his, his like second in command was an, uh, uh, 
was a uh, an officer in Force Awakens. So we just got mm. we've just got double Star Wars. We've just got some shitty people. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah, I I love Olivia Cook. I think she was the right casting choice. I think I honestly would have liked a little bit of change in her avatar because I feel like her voice would have been more pronounced, but I think she did a really amazing job. And I think it's a really hard role when for a majority, because she's not the main character, so you're not seeing her live action for quite some time. But then also she has a really interesting plot point where she is taken prisoner and escapes with the help of the other five, uh, the, the, the five, um, high five. And, but she, I think she has a very interesting role where she kind of takes matters into her own hands. She gets in, into one of the like cronies of the company's suits and, you know, she, she fights for what she believes in. And then ultimately what, uh, she has to be killed because she would rather fight for this resistance than like save her own life in real life. So they like make her go, and I don't know. I think she had that that part basically where she was killed out of the oasis at, uh, to right. save herself on to the end of the movie, minus like maybe that last thing. I think it was some really amazing acting because she was just like she basically looked like she was dazed, like she was like a refugee or something. Because she's basically is she's not in the real world that much, and so yeah. Well. And having seen the trailer for Thoroughbred, but not seen the movie, and having really enjoyed her in this, I'll definitely want to watch that movie at some point because she was great. I agree with you 100%. I think uh, she took what could have been a manic pixie dream girl and really gave it depth and personality and a go-getterness instead of like a playfulness that I could see being tempting to a lot of actresses of like, I'm just, I'm going to be the the fun one who kind of teases you a little bit. It's like, no, she wants to get shit done. And I really, I really enjoyed Artemis. She was, she was my favorite in the whole, whole shebang. I agree. She, I felt like she was the MVP of this film. I think that's also impressive considering we aren't hearing her point of view. We aren't hearing her narration. And yet you still, you're rooting for her. And she can, uh, I, ha- I have to say, I didn't expect to like love this one scene, but, and it's, and it's not, it's not, uh, I, just thinking about it made me laugh. Um, sorry, uh, it's not live action, but it's that scene right after Parsifal, like the five have gotten the, the first key and he's in the, in the archives and the big, uh, and like the alien comes in and then she it dissolves and it's her but she still has the little alien as a puffin she goes <laughs> she just does a little like that was an amazing moment and you could kind of see like I get it's animation but you could kind of see her personality in it and I loved it it was so good yeah when she goes from being the four-armed orc yeah. to the yeah. alien there like that was Classic. And then she's just like, a, yeah, that was a great game. No, and I, I mean, she was great. Like she, she was a perfect level of sarcasm and kindness too. Like she didn't feel like a bitch. She didn't feel overly sympathetic. She felt like she was there and she wanted to help, but she and she wasn't going to sabotage. You trust her, like you trust her, 
We're right. in a place where you really can't trust most people, TJ Miller. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I really, I was so happy with the casting with of her. Like when I found out that she was cast. I, I liked her enough in this that I want to watch Bates Motel now. Yeah, she is she in it briefly. That. Well, not briefly. She's in it for a bit. Um, I haven't watched it. I just know what she's in because I stalk her religiously. Olivia Cook, I love you. Um, see, if you haven't Maybe. seen me, Earl and the Dying Girl, see it. Fine. It's really good. The book's really good. The movie's really good. She plays the titular Dying Girl. Oh. Yeah. Her name is Rachel. Um, yeah. So, was there a character that you maybe had some thoughts about, or some questions, or some negative feelings? I think, or some, I think with how you phrased that, you know, perfectly some, well. Some leading. Can I? Can I? Can I lead you by the <laughs> yeah, nose? I think. I think. I think. I think you can lead me. Yep. Yeah, I will do that. I think I'll take your little tiny hand and you, let you lead me. Um, Bunch of people just pulled out their headphones. <laughs> my, ah, what really is high. Only dogs can hear it. My dog's just trying to escape. Um, so it's not, it's hard for me because I also come in from this like thinking about the viewpoints of the novel and what was going on and everything. I felt like Simon Pegg who played uh, Ogden Morrow, the original co-founder of the Oasis with Halliday, was very underutilized. He is not nearly the character he was in the fil- uh, in the book that he is. Um, he has, like, he's, he's a side character very much in the book, but he's, he's in flashbacks and a surprise cameo, and then he's, like, in one scene. At the end. And it was really underwhelming. Like that whole dance scene that originally took place at a party he threw and invited them to. And they also, I mean, and yeah, I have some notes about the fact that they never commented on, there are certain places you can get hurt in the Oasis and there are certain places you can't. But that's beside the point. Like that doesn't matter. Like. Well, that's just video games in general, though. Like, typically, when you're in the town, you can't be hurt. But once you go out questing, then well, you yeah, can be and hurt. like that—that like that that led should... to some plot things. But I understand why it was cut because right. dragging, and why? Like, I think it's generally known. But he was in it a little bit more. He was—he was a reclusive, you know, millionaire. He was or trillionaire, whatever the fuck. Um, but. He, I mean, he he was sort of funny and interesting. How they substituted it was that he, in fact, was in the game, and but oh. um, but like that was that didn't happen in the book. But what I liked that they changed from the book is how is that he was the person who gave him the coin from a bet because. It was the most boring scene in the entire book that he got that damn coin. He literally just like played an arcade game Ooh. from start to finish in like this planet that was based on Halliday's like hometown. He just played this game. It's a ve- it just it it kills the plot dead for like five minutes. And so Yikes. yeah, no, I mean it's fine. It's really well written. I I didn't want to see it. And so I get that they really just like made it a very quick moment 
and then it's just like done and it was their way of kind of including Simon Pegg into that. Um, so yeah, Simon Pegg basically is the, he, he sort of is, he's like the librarian of the Oasis. He keeps all of the archives and he's, you know, he's fine. And then he's in a lot of, he's in a lot of the flashbacks. And then he is in one scene where he is very old, but I really, I would have liked them to kind of allow us to slowly get into that, that understanding of Simon Pegg as a character. <laughs> well, I feel like Simon Pegg in and of himself appearing in this movie is like an Easter egg because Simon Pegg is so much just a walking pop culture reference. <laughs> that I was like, of course Simon Pegg's in this. Simon Pegg would like contractually have to be in this. It's part of how he exists in this world. If we don't say Simon Pegg three times, he doesn't exist anymore. That's true. But yeah, so I, I would say that was probably my biggest issue is Ogden Morrow and the use of him. I liked how they did bring him in in an extra part of this. They killed a part of the book that I felt would not have worked for film. But I I would have liked to see him more do, doing other things. I felt like they underutilized him, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, you know, there's probably some stuff on the cutting room floor. But you didn't get you really care about him a bit more in the book. And I think that's sort of what it's meant. You care about their friendship a bit more, I feel like. And that wasn't really the case. It's a lot more about this weird love triangle. And that's whatever. Which the fact that, you know, we only got the uh, Kira briefly um, in the... Uh, the shining area was I was like well that was kind of a letdown considering how much this was about but then having it kind of be about their friendship at the end I was like no okay I I guess I guess it was I I mean yeah and that's the thing is like it's kind of it makes sense but there's not enough payoff because there wasn't you didn't get that sense of camaraderie, the sense of yeah. I was I was never into their friendship. I didn't think so. like they were like jobs and was, or something. Yes, they were not jobs. Which is and was. what you. I felt in the book a bit more. So yeah, that that's my main note about it. Um, so so Dan, do you feel like there was anything else in in the film that that you would change? Anything you had question or took took problem uh, took error with? I don't know. No, no, I'm phrasing this uh, with this weird voice. <sighs> Issue. That was it. I love, I love you, Ben, ben Mendelsohn. I love you to death. I just, he was playing a Scooby Doo villain in this. <laughs> Those meddling kids. <gasps> My password's was, boss man. It was laughable, and like the thing, you know, having his password written down in his chair. I was like, it's, it's 2045. No, <laughs> no. And I, I just, I had, I had an issue overall with IOI because this private paramilitary police force they had that was operating on American soil to put people in debtor's prison was exactly what you thought it should happen. I know. I if that was if that was going to be a possible event in our future. 
I just need to know a little bit more about the uh, the state of the union. <laughs> when the cops show up at the very end, I, I out loud said, oh, there are cops in this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they've got guys running around with IOI on their chests and heads with guns capturing people without trial and putting them in debtor's prison. I was like, that's not... That's not how the justice system works. Even though our justice system is pretty fucked up, they would that that just would not happen. That just can't happen. That's not how how things work. Um, but I will say, he was only as ridiculous as having his right hand hench person be named Finale. <laughs> She's Finale, Adair. <laughs> that. The two of them were just like Boris and Natasha. I was like, I Spielberg, you went a little too E.T. with your villains. They're just a little too. She's not. Oh, drag. She's not in the book. Um, I think they just wanted to give a face to all the misdeeds being done by IOI. Um, I understand. Yeah. Why she's there and how it helps him separate and truly just be the businessman, not like an enforcer. It. it Having those two characters works very well structurally. He was just a little too... Like, the fact that his avatar is still wearing a suit and tie, I was like, that's that's a little on-the-nose, evil big business man. (laughs) He's just, overall, was a, a, a touch too cartoony for me. The only time I really liked him is when he used the uh, the Mecha Godzilla. That was fun. Which was which was cool, you know. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Notes on IOI. One one thing I liked about Nolan Sorrento, well, I didn't like, but one thing about Nolan Sorrento in the book uh, that was interesting was he really is this business person that's been thrown into this world that he just wants nothing to do with. And I kind of thought that's what they were sort of doing with the password and shit like that was like, he literally could not give two fucks about the Oasis. It's just about the power aspect to it. So I, I think they did a decent job of showing that. Um, one thing that they did that we didn't get in the book that I really liked was getting to see these informers, these these um, <clears throat> these holiday experts that you never get to see, and it was that comparison was fun to me. Like first the comparison in the conversation with Parsifal, like you know that you assume that something like that is happening, but you don't know, and so they really like they played it up. And uh, the one girl that's in it with the whole adventure like subplot of like adventure can't be one but i liked that i liked that these smaller characters and i liked that they were bringing in these smaller characters tj miller's another one that did not exist in the book oh really and yeah i'm pretty sure i rock's a good good addition it was and i the other thing i was actually talking about this morning with the person who sat next to me in the movie was um that uh I liked that they never showed him in real life. He's the one of the only people you never saw in real life because it's like, it's T.J. Miller, you know? Like, it's such an iconic voice, but it's also like, we all kind of have, like, issue with him, I feel like, so you're not going to like him if you hear his voice on something. Like, at this point, it's not like Big Hero 6 where we were still like, we might like him as a human. 
Yeah. Like, we're over him. But so I, I, I did like that. You see the aspects of TJ's face a little bit. But, I mean, he has that voice that when, when that happened and it was TJ Miller's voice that came out, I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> and so that was great. That was a nice surprise for me because I think there's, like, some some people, like, some bounty hunters and some people that have some magical objects. But I don't feel like his particular character was ever mentioned. I mean, if I'm wrong, feel free to tweet us. Feel free to write a scathing comment on a photo on our Instagram or Facebook or email us. I don't care. Like, tell me. I I love being proven wrong. It makes me happy. It gives me something to work towards. Exactly. That's why she's wrong all the time. She loves it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not wrong because I don't want to be wrong. I'm wrong because I want to be wrong. That's that's the best way to be wrong. I'm ignorant because I choose to be. Um, You and the rest of America. I think that... (laughs) I think that you're you're definitely right. It works. I I enjoyed the minor characters and sort of the menagerie of characters. I think this, this movie works best when it is diffused, when it is a team movie, when it's an ensemble piece. But when it focuses too much on one individual character were the moments where it, it started to feel weak to me. Definitely. I, th- I think that's just where it starts, starts to drag. Can I say, based off of Wrinkle in Time, I love that they had, you know, a little 11-year-old, 12-year-old show, and they did not make a big fucking deal about it. Like, they made a joke about it. And like he's like, and he's like ninjas don't hug. And then and he's like, yeah, no, I get it. Like I'm I'm eleven or twelve. Like, do you think I really want to say that? Like, kill me first or something? Um, yeah. You, well, should I walk around with a sign that says "Kill me first"? I'm eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really I did like that. It was playing up. They have this like cute little like younger kid on this team, uh, but like that's the reason he hasn't talked that much yeah. and like all this stuff. That was it. Yeah, and, and that was, was it. Done. It was done. Um, <laughs> then it was charming. Those two, Dido and Show, it's a lot more tragic in the book. And Oh, really? I will state that someone is really killed and that is the catalyst in the book to get them to be like, mm. we need to fuck Serena's shit up because someone is, they make it look like a suicide, but someone is is straight up murdered by out. Anyway, 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 anyway. Um, do you have any other like smaller characters? Like we're talking about all the this like this lovely smorgasbord of characters that we have. Is there anyone else you you feel you want to talk about? Um, I'd love to give a, a shout out to the effortless incorporation of. The woman from room um, two, uh, what was it, two seventeen, um, in the Overlook. I thought she did a great job. That archival footage. She was just. I, I will say honestly, though, the way they digitally put them into the Overlook was amazing. That was really cool. And the fact that they didn't give any of that away in the trailers, I really enjoyed our time in the overlook hotel um but i mean h you gotta talk yeah. about h you like I, h i like h everybody likes i, lo- h. I love great. h let's both talk about h let's talk about h baby um the shining thing did not happen in the book uh which made it really fun well, for me and also h's th- that's actually a great way h was fantastic in the shining scenes like i loved h in that um 
just very silly, like doesn't like horror movies, never seen The Shining going into this because it was great. It was funny because my my shoulders naturally just went up uh, when the sh- when it was The Shining. I was like, fuck. Um, oh, God. As soon as she sees the little girls, and it's like, hey, little girls. <laughs> and then the blood. I was like, no. <laughs> and then, that is, and then when no the, and she gets really close to the to elevator, that. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. There's going to be blood. It's really hard not to talk when when they start doing shining stuff. So, I we've talked about the lovely Lena Waithe before. She directed and I think wrote also both of our favorite Master of None episode, Thanksgiving. She is one of the stars of Master of None. She hasn't been in a whole lot. She's doing a voiceover for um, commercial right now that I hear a lot when I'm watching TV. Um, I don't know what it's for, but it's talking about being a couple. Um, but yeah, I really, I love her. Like she's doing a lot. She's about to, she's writing this, this show called The Chai about Chicago that I'm very excited about. I think she has a very unique perspective. I think she's awesome. And I wish, this is the one time that I wish I had not read the book was, you know H is a woman or she's a little younger um and overweight in the book but you you know h is a is a female after reading the book and i wish i didn't because though i was so excited when i saw she was on board as h i would have loved that reveal like i would have loved just knowing that because i could hear it like when you know to look for it you hear it in the voice right um she's just a fascinating person she does more live action i feel like than the rest of them because she's driving the van mm-hmm. or the yeah. yeah um but she's she's lovely like i mean she she kills it to me like i think she does really great as h i think h is a great like side character and they, it has some really good scenes but i think she does a pretty seamless transition considering her avatar is a very large i i would i would relate it to sort of a mechanical drax <laughs> Yeah, 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 like, like yeah. A very cyborgy Drax. Um, and I loved they added a lot to H's character, a lot more handy, mechanical, um, a little more just like clever on on the nose with things, and uh, I I liked that H is a lot more like buddy pal, like hey, let's hang out, let's play these games for like eight hours straight, like this is their friendship, and like H was funny. A- H was was really funny. They she was they great. wrote it to really showcase her and i loved that and i think that 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 was probably just one of my happiest moments if she was in it more she probably was going to be my favorite character she wasn't in it more that's just how it is um i it's fascinating in the book because there's a whole thing about being tailed be them finding us them finding information and there's a whole section where he finds out that they all have he he basically it's it's Wade who is captured by the company and in the in the book. And he is able to get into, I think, their internet or their files. Or something. I can't remember exactly. It's been a bit. But he gets, he's able to, like, learn about all the five. The five people who get the first key first. And it's Dido Show, H, Artemis, and him. And so that's, so he finds out more information. So he gets, like, real names or, like, photos or something. And there's a fascinating thing about, like, H, there's no information. Because the whole deal with H is just drives around the country in this in this car. 
like playing cool. but like never stays in one place for too long doesn't keep information for too long like has been sort of not like orphaned but she's gay and so her family kind of doesn't want anything to do with her so she's basically just off the grid and has been for a long time and the OS is sort of her salvation for that and yeah. so there's a lot to that character and I really I always loved that character because of that and so mm, I kind of miss that angle. I kind of wish that they did. Yeah, that was something I did kind of miss about it. Was H is a badass in that I uh, IOI like it, they keep tabs on everyone. They get information quickly, even people that are part of like low key organizations. Like, but they could not get a handle on her, and I loved that. So yeah, I think Lena Waithe was the perfect casting though, and she made me really really happy, and I. I just, I loved it. it oh God, I would write a poem about her right now if I could. Do it. All right. Bye. Um, <laughs> no, so, so yeah. Um, Dan, any other edits? I mean, I know we've kind of, as we've talked about characters, we've kind of been talking about our edits. Yeah, we've had some some nitpicks there. I think my, my major rewrite for this would be to eliminate the resistance because, mm-hmm. They said it one time, welcome to the resistance. And that was it. It was a collection of tents in a room. And just have uh, Artemis, Samantha, just be in an apartment building or just living someplace because there was no point to the resistance angle. It wasn't him really joining some cause he wasn't already fighting for. It didn't get us more invested in other characters. It It didn't raise the stakes or add anything. So I thought that that was kind of useless. So I would, I would cut that out. And I would um, add in another scene with his aunt to give her death some more resonance. Like, we need to understand that she's his only family. She's it. And when she dies, it's like, never going to think about or talk about that again. Um, so those those are my two, like, big problems aside from the internal logic breakdown of like, how does IOI <laughs> operate in this world where they're just kidnapping people and put them in debtor's prison? I was like, it's it's fine to like paint big business with broad strokes as like mustache twirling Scooby-Doo villains, which is what this movie did, but at least realize the limitations of what you're describing, like a mass raid on on a building is not something Amazon can do. We're just going to blow Amazon up the can't... stacks. Yeah, right? Th- that's not... No. Just, no. If it was this CEO who had one person working for him who did that kind of fixer stuff, that I would have bought a lot Sort of like the Doug Stamper having... to Frank Underwood? Exactly. Those people exist. That's the kind of thing that happens. You know, look at that's uh, why we, the Russian that's why, what? double agent poison. That's, that's why we don't know where Clark is anymore. <laughs> You'll never find him. It's fine. It's been taken care of. Because Austin is that guy for you. <laughs> exactly. What would you rewrite, Adair? What would you change? I would say if the friendship between Halliday and Morrow is the key to the Oasis, make me believe that. Booyah. And that's about it. I've said everything else I need to say about it. Well, I guess the only thing left to do is to give it an alternate title. Oh, fuck, title. I did not think about this at all. <laughs> you uh, Can you tell me yours and give me, like, 
two minutes of free edited time. <laughs> Shit. It's okay. Uh, um, I just thought of mine, <laughs> uh, which is um, IMDb trivia section. The movie. I like that. Okay, I got one. I think someone already took it from me. I can't be sure because the title of that movie changed a lot, but I'm going to go live, die, repeat. (laughs) I think I had another one at some point when I was watching the movie and just totally... I I, I have to say, it's it's a two-plus-hour movie, and I did not care one bit. Yeah. Normally I'm like, ah, oh, where is that waiter with my bill to tell me I still have 25 minutes? Shh. If you listen, you can hear our next movie. It's a quiet place. I can't believe I'm going to see this movie. My... F- wow. Don't know what I was going to say. I really was curious, too. Our next review will be A Quiet Place. But in the meantime, if you want to go to the movies this weekend, I would recommend seeing Ready Player One. There was a pretty diverse age and gender range in my theater. And I people in their 60s enjoyed it and people in their teens so enjoyed it. So did you do like it. an so, interview process at the end? Were you that guy? No, just the people voiced their opinions very loudly as soon as the credits started to roll. Well, I liked it. Oh, that was fun. Oh, that was so much better than I thought it would be. I forget you're in Montana. Don't remind me. Where people like loudly. Well, I mean, that man did like, the the last scene, I liked the movie. See, See the movie. I liked the movie. I will see it again. Like, I really enjoyed it. It made two and a half hours go by really quickly. But the last scene was sort of like, we're shutting the oasis down on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so you can go out there and make out with your girlfriend in your cool yeah. chair, in your fancy apartment. I'm because Wade. you're a trillionaire. <laughs> um, no, and that kind of made me like go. Uh, we didn't need that. We didn't need it. Yep. We didn't need it. Yeah, that's my other edit. Cut that fucking scene. Um, Thank you. You know what they should have done is just had them all as avatars, like doing something. I don't know what. Yes. But doing that. There you go. That's my other rewrite. That's my and then, rewrite. And, and then they uh and then they log out and they all have a picnic together in the real central. Or park. like it ends with them being like So who's doing lunch? Or like who's paying for lunch? Or yeah. something like that. Because yeah. they're all like, really, really rich. I would love if they had all met up in the real world version of someplace they'd all been, like if they'd gone to the fountain in Central Park that they all lapped at the end of the race. Um, and when we know. hear a loud noise and they all jump because they think it's Kong. Right. Ah, yeah. No one gets past Kong. Unless you go under him. That was a cool scene. The going that, was the, that was a That was super fucking cool. The cinematography in this movie was pretty solid was in, cool. the, in the VR. Um, in the real world, it was it felt a little more like the post and a little less like Jaws, but it was um, it was really good in there. And I gotta admit, the fanboy in me, that final battle was just was a happy, happy kid. Like the Gundam bit, the Gundam bit was fucking amazing. I was like, yeah, yeah, fucking love Gundams. You know what I love is you get so excited that your camera blurred. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, go see it. I, I give it, I give it an A minus. Yeah, I'd give it a B plus. You always do that. You always just have to go slightly under because you're like, you know what? My palette's a little more discerning than it dares. Boob. <laughs> See you back here for a quiet place. Slow Claps and Rewrites is effortlessly produced by Daniel Query and Adair Rice. Editing is executed by Daniel Query to the best of his abilities. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a volume in the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright 2018, all rights reserved, in perpetuity. Like Mickey Mouse.